I think that's the biggest challenge that we have with society today is that everyone is so afraid to walk on people's toes. What do you think is the first step for someone to get out of survival mode? Awareness. I think the biggest challenge that people have is that maybe even if they did know, they don't really want to admit it or say it too much out loud because everyone around them are people pleasers. The fact that I've always been a straight shooter was not really like people want you to kiss their asses. I think if you surround yourself with those sorts of associations, you're going to continue staying in survival mode and chances are those people around you are probably in survival mode as well because you are who you associate yourself with and I know that for a fact now because of the associations that I have today are very different than the associations I had before and that's why my life is significantly transformed right so I think the first step is actually understanding where you're at and putting in the fucking work I think that's the biggest thing you can't just sit there and like hope and dream and just journal or whatever it is. Like you actually have to take action and it's uncomfortable, but that's where the growth happens and that's where you find yourself. My name's Alexis. I love to be called Lexi though, as I tell everyone. Um, and it's just because my little brother's name is Alex. So that way we don't, you know, mix up the two. Um, what I do, um, I help. I help people, uh, whether it's in, in business, in life, whatever I really can do. And what I strive to be is just keep doing that, but on a way, 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 Bigger way scale? larger scale. Yeah. Okay, dope. So I was going through your Instagram this morning and you refer to yourself as the financial connoisseur. <laughs> can you elaborate what that means? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love knowing things that allow me to advance in life, mm -hmm. right? Things that you need. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we say a lot is, you know, the two biggest areas of our lives that we're going to pay the most attention to and care about is our health and our wealth. Now, you know, I've gone through a period in life where, you know, I haven't had either of these things. And, uh, you know, being in a position now to be, you know, striving to work towards both of them. Um, I love to help people do the same. But, you know, on the financial side, um, Went through an interesting financial journey growing up, you know, with, with my family and whatnot. Um, but it's been really, really cool to change the narrative, to kind of become the black sheep in the family, if you will, and yeah. really be taking the financial matters into my own hands. But I love learning about everything in this world that has to do with, you know, the micro, the macro economic picture. And, uh, you know, money is a huge thing. 100%. So recently you got an award, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was for making, you hit a like a 20K a month, Mark, what was that word? Uh, you hit a standard. Oh, I crossed over my 250,000. Yeah. Jeez. And what was yeah. that? So that's a like total earning? Just in 12 months. Oh, amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Okay. So before we, I dive deep into what you're doing today, I want to get to the backstory. I want to get to how this financial journey started. And uh, yeah, I want to start from there growing up. Growing up, what do you want to know? <laughs> so we'll take it back to like just your childhood. You know, uh, was it a two parent household, one household, one parent household? How did it start? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I have so many random memories of of growing up and, you know, I have a lot of great memories, a lot of moments and, you know, a lot of other memories that, you know, some of them I I, I find come up at random times and, you know, I've actually learned to understand that's, that's called trauma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's really, really cool. Um, you know, as I get into a little bit of my background, just understanding that 
things happen for you, not to you. Mm. Right. And so growing up, um, you know, my 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 mom ran into my father. I believe she said at a club, you know, said he was really persistent. I said, yeah, mom, he was an immigrant from Africa. Of course, he wanted a citizenship. <laughs> Shout out to pops. Right? Totally. But, you know, I'm so forever grateful that, you know, despite everything that happened in their relationship that um, they had me, you know, because as I've grown into this world, I began to learn so much more about myself and I see what qualities I possess from my mom and which ones I get from my father. But um, unfortunately, they, they divorced when I was quite young. And How old are you? I want to say I was around two years old. Oh, okay. So you probably don't remember them together. No. Okay, cool. I can relate to that. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but, you know, shortly after that, uh, you know, a lot of things happened in my mom's life. And, you know, she she came into some money. And um, needless to say, she kind of dropped off the deep end, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. And so growing up, it was challenging because when my mom had inherited this large sum of money, there was kind of like there was no responsibilities. And so my little brother and I, we were bouncing around from school to school. Uh, We were never at a school for more than a year. And it made it really, really hard to develop relationships, you know. Because you're constantly getting new friends and you're constantly the new kid. Always the new kid. And I think we were kind of chatting about this earlier, you know. There was a period in my life where I was just so bold and so creative and outgoing and just, you know, as if there was not a care in the world. You know, mm. you didn't have that fear. And all of a sudden you're kind of looking, you're like, what happened to me? True. And I think a big part of it was because when you don't really have the time to plant your fa- fl- flag and, um, you know, cultivate those relationships, you always kind of feel like you're hiding in the shadows and no one's really trying to, was trying to get to know me. And I wasn't really putting myself in the position to get to know people either. Cause I knew I was just going to have to leave. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never even really think about that because mm-hmm. I'm a person that I've had the same set of friends since some of us, since I was five years old to this day. So yeah. I haven't really had to like, um, always obtain new friends. So I couldn't even imagine that. So when you said that, I was like, Oh damn, I never really thought about that perspective. Yeah. And it's interesting when people tell me like, oh, you know, I have this one friend that, you know, we've been friends since elementary or whatever, because I I don't have that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that your mom came came up on a set of inheritance. And I guess like they do say, like, if you no matter what, if you don't have the financial literacy to control that money or to, um, let's say, invest that money, then eventually you're going to mess that up. How do you think that situation has kind of motivated you about finances today? Yeah, I think looking back and seeing how, you know, our life unfolded and, you know, the the decisions that my mother made when she inherited that large sum of money. Um, I feel like I went from having everything to nothing. Jeez. You know, how's that feeling? It was scary. Mm hmm. Because the person that was leading us didn't know what they were doing. You know, my mom didn't know what she was doing. It was just go with the flow and see what happens. And I think the most challenging thing was, is, you know, when I began to really understand that um, drug and alcohol use was, was, was a problem, 
when I would speak out and say, you know, mom, I, I don't like it when you drink. I don't like it when you do these things. Um, it would actually result in her lashing out and, you know, sometimes hopping in that car and drinking and driving and, you know, going to her father's cemetery or just crazy things. Right. Mm -hmm. So was exposed to just so many interesting things, but you know, I always understood the importance of money. I think that was one thing that I always took away from it because, you know, we went from a point where we had the funds to and resources to go and travel and, you know, explore life and then not even knowing how we were going to eat, Jeez. how we were gonna turn those lights on, you know, literally going and scraping together change like <sighs> It was an interesting feeling. That's the top of the top to the bottom of the bottom in a sense, right? Yeah. Jeez, that's yeah. deep. Yeah. So how are you, like, because this is my first time actually meeting you. If someone were to describe the Lexi in high school. Oh. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> because going through, I'm only asking because going through so much uh, traumatic situations at a young age, that can come out in so many different ways, especially in high school where your your hormones are changing, you're trying to figure out who you are, you're trying to figure out life, and probably most teenagers at that around that age and those changes are rebelling. So I wanna know like how, <laughs> <laughs> how, I wanna know how you were in high school. Um honestly. <laughs> oh I you know, I uh, I would say in high school I was very multifaceted. How so? Um so as I went into high school, trying to visualize this moment so I can make sure I'm being, <laughs> you know, as accurate as possible. So going into high school was interesting for me because um, up until high school, I had been on the Sunshine Coast for three years. I, did, I, I started on the Sunshine Coast in grade four and um, that was the last foster home I had gone to. And so, one thing that I learned as I was starting in elementary school was that I loved instruments. I, I'd been playing piano since I was young, but once I picked up an alto sax, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So going into high school, I was actually really excited to like pursue music, which oh, wow. was interesting. And so I enrolled in a concert band right before school. Um, I was super fired up for that. And uh, I just loved to learn. Mm -hmm. That was one thing about me. Like in school, like I just, I got excited about like the classes that I had and like the challenges, whether it was like in calculus, whatever it may be. So that's what really, really fired me up. Um, but from a personal perspective, while, while being in high school, I was very confused. I didn't also. really, I didn't really know who I was. And uh, I was coming out of high school where I was bullied a lot, like, a really? lot really? and oh yeah yeah like, I was always I was always getting bullied I felt like I was always in fights I was always like the last one to be chose for, like I loved playing like uh at recess and lunch I'd always play with the guys whether it was like I don't know kickball or mm -hmm. capture the flag soccer or, like you name it but you know I was always picked last and I was like why like you know or they would like make fun of the way that I would like kick like always saying like I'm toe punting it or like have called me heavyweight champion caterpillar press Jeez. like you name it the girls were just super catty as well but um yeah I could never understand so I think high school was I just always thought there was something wrong with me mm -hmm. wow so you mentioned something important and you mentioned foster care how long were you there and how has that, do you think that has affected your path going forward? Yeah, um, 
I started in the foster care system uh, when I was, how old was I? I'm, I'm really not good with the, the timelines yeah. and, and whatnot. I would say I was probably around six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in the US because, okay. yeah, because um, essentially my- So you're born here or you're born there? I, I was born in Vancouver. Okay. But we were bouncing around so much and like, I don't know, it seemed to be this thing where my mom always wanted to go to Vegas and, you know, my <laughs> stepfather. And so um, this was one of our ways heading back to, to Vegas and my mom and stepfather were drinking and driving and it just, it turned into this big fight and my, they started fighting in the car, spilling drinks. My mom had to pull over to the side of the road so that my stepfather could go grab something out of the trunk to clean it up and she actually drove off on him. Jeez. And so my brother was, you know, upset, you know, mom turn around, turn around. And so she did eventually, but then now she was coming alongside the, the oncoming traffic. And so it was very, very scary. Again, my mom was one of those people where you just very unpredictable, <laughs> like either like, you know, it's like if I'm going down, we're all going down. Like that's what I was seeing that night. And uh, yeah, so it was really, really scary. And, uh, you know, long story short, uh, while she was driving, she ended up going into the like the sand, like on the side of the highway. And her tires ended up going into this big hole. Like there was this big hole thing. God, I don't know how she managed to stop Jeez. right before the car Jeez. went in. But I ended up jumping out of the car. I started running for my life. How she starts you? chasing me. Uh, six. Six this years old. probably when I was six, yeah. And you thought already to run out of the car. Yeah, I booked it. Because my mom was very fiery. Like my mom would like, my mom, and honestly, like my mom is the most beautiful, loving, mm-hmm. amazing human um, but when she was under the influence, like she was a different person, very different, mm-hmm. very different, um, very fiery, <laughs> <laughs> very fiery. So yeah, she starts chasing me. I, f- I fell into a cactus. Um, next thing we know, there's like cops showing up. It was a big thing. They could see that my, um, parents were drinking and driving. And so, um, yeah, it ended up being this big ordeal and, um, yeah, they ended up getting arrested. And that's when my little brother and I ended up entering the foster care system in the U.S., floated around for a bit, learned a lot, seen a lot. Um, I was very, very grateful that my Oma, she ended up coming that's and- That's your pick- grandmother, right? Yeah. Uh, she ended up coming and driving down to the States to come and pick up my little brother and I. And then that's when we went to the Sunshine Coast and started our life there. But my Oma isn't actually um, blood-related she was my mom's foster mom. So my mom went to 25 different foster homes and wow. the last foster home she went to was was Oma. And Oma was a very dis- disciplinary woman. You know, Oma says what she means and she means what she says and you go, yes, ma'am. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how like the, the cycle continues if you don't actively like put the end to it or be intentional about putting the end to it. Um, so it sounds like your Oma was a very uh, important piece to changing your life around. And I can relate because yeah. my I was raised by my grandmother as well. So everyone, anytime like someone has like an in-depth conversation about my grandmother, it's like a really emotional thing just because I know that she's done so much for me. Um, what lessons did you learn at that time from your grandmother? Because I know you said she's very disciplinary. So what started to change with her kind of her guidance? Oh, (laughs) you know, 
it's one of those things where when you're young, you just don't know things. Mm -hmm. And like you think you know, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. And when I was living there and with her in that time, it was just one of those things where it was like, dude, like get off my back. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Leave yeah, me alone. Yeah. Like I do my homework. Like what do you want from me, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but everything that she did really shaped me into the woman that I am today. I just didn't understand that. Um, because she was so strict. And I mean, going from the lifestyle that I had before, like living in the fast lane to like coming to like Sunshine Coast where it's like this small town and like, you know, it was just so different. It was almost like a bit of a culture shock in, in a sense too, if you will. Um, but she taught me, she taught me how to act off of my commitments and not my feelings and just how to show up every single day, even when I didn't want to, because you know, she had a long list of chores you had to do, you know, um, even too, if I wanted to like go out to, let's say the beach with my friends, she would look at me and she'd go, how's the Ivy looking? Jeez, <laughs> no games. No, right. And, and when she said Ivy, there was a lot of blackberry bushes included with that. So, <laughs> you know, a couple hours later and I'm like, hey, oh my, like, can I go to the beach now? I'm just covered with fucking Jeez. blood. <laughs> oh my God. She didn't play no games. No, 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 no. One thing Oma didn't do is play games unless she asked you if you wanted to play Chinese checkers. Jeez. Then wow. it, then she was she she knew what she was getting into. Yeah, Oma was mad. At, she wow. she was mad at that. She was good. So that catapulted like a different type of journey for you, right? So here's the thing. You said that you're into the financial services. I this is a little bit of an ignorant question because whenever someone before knowing what I know now, whenever someone said, "Oh, I, I'm into the financial services," I'm like, "What does that mean? Are you a?" life insurance broker are you a an accountant like what does that mean exactly yeah i mean i think when someone says that they're they're saying it to be ambiguous to be broad in a sense and to let you perhaps ask more questions if you're interested in learning more because i think for everyone it, it could be something very very different um in terms of what i do in the financial industry is it's it's all encompassing um, I, I focus on so many different areas and as you know, the team building side as well, which has become like the, the shining light in my life. Yeah. yeah. So can you give me some examples of things that you focus, focus on within your realm of work? Yeah, absolutely. So what we say is there's four major areas that we help people in investments, insurances, financial planning, and then also tax strategies. Okay. Lit. So how did you get into this industry and what were you doing? Actually, no, what were you doing right before getting into the financial services? Right before getting into the final, <laughs> the financial services, um, I was serving. Oh, really? Yeah. So at the time I was serving and I was doing a lot of trading as well. Trading? Yeah. How did you get into that? Um, Honestly, my father had a huge influence on me. Um, my father's an immigrant from Africa and he's just my biggest hero. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but he came here, um, he had nothing but the clothes on his back and he was someone that he just 
he followed the money, you know, wherever he could go to gain knowledge, to figure out if there was a way for him to make money from it, he did it. So my father, like, I remember when I was very, very young, he would wake up at like 4 a.m. and like get his coffee going black. And, you know, <laughs> he would just start scoping out the markets and, uh, you know, by five. And yeah, like, so he was in stocks for a very long time. And I watched him make, you know, money with that. And then he moved into crypto. And so, you know, even while my father was in Africa, there was a lot of times when I started building this business um, that I did have to help him financially. And, you know, having my background that I had in, in crypto and being able to facilitate that was obviously very, very powerful as well. Um, but yeah, just because I saw him in this world and he would always send me, you know, white papers and, and links and this and that, um, I could tell it was something that he felt was value for me to learn. And then while I was actually serving, um, there was this gentleman that started coming by uh, a little bit more into the restaurant and always sitting in my section and, you know, just a little bit nerdy and everything. <laughs> and as I began to learn a little bit more about him, I began to learn that um, he was someone that was in that world. And so uh, he had a very huge influence in my life as I was coming into this world a little bit more. Um, one of my really close guy friends, him and I were in like a trading group and everything together. And so, and yeah, when the pandemic happened, it was just one of those things where I was just looking to evolve and elevate in every area of my life. And I figured, well, I already have some kind of understanding of this world. Why don't I just take it up another notch? And so it was great. I, I love the whole analytical side of it. So, Jeez. so that was the, person that you met what's sorry what's his name uh the one that uh is it your mentor now uh my mentor is nima yeah so how did you meet him nima is that, that's not him that you're just talking about no. who came into the store yeah okay okay so how did you meet him because i know he he helped you catapult like what's going on today yeah so i met nima through um one of my really close girlfriends at the time and she had just told me what she was doing in finance. And she said, you know, I think this is something that you could really be interested in. And I was like, okay, well, I'm interested to take a little peek. And I'm very, very happy uh, to this day that I've always been someone that is open to helping, open to opportunities, open to learning. Because if I had said no, I just don't know where my life would be today. Jeez, because you're serving at the time and you're just kind of dancing with the trading. Yeah. So then... Let's talk about this new goal that you just hit. You just hit 20, 250 for 12 months? Yes. How did you get there? Oh, cons <laughs> consistency. Uh, elaborate. So, like, for example, that's that's 12 months. That's a short period of time to make that much of money. So, like, how did you get, like, to, like, your first 10K? Like, what were you doing around there, those times? Mm. So... When I, when I started this opportunity in the financial industry, um, I was still serving quite a bit on the side. Okay. Um, but what was hard was it hit a point where I just didn't feel like the, the environment that I was in while I was serving was really um, not even just respecting uh, this other venture I wanted to take, but I just didn't feel that support. And I felt like the energy changed and it just made me realize with all of this personal development that I was starting to do in this business, the mindset trainings, you name it, that this was an association that I was holding on to that no longer served me. I, mm -hmm. I had outgrown it. Mm -hmm. And so it made it a really, really easy decision to just jump into this whole financial thing full time. And 
Um, I didn't know if it was something that I could do or not. Uh, you know, what I do now today is very different than what I was doing in trading. And, you know, what are the, oh yeah. So you're trading. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's just, yes, of course, there's always going to be some, some fundamentals that have commonalities, but for the most part, it is a different beast. And especially because with that, I can hide behind the scenes. I don't need to talk to anybody. Um, but with what I do now, it's very much getting out of my comfort zone and getting in front of people. Right. Mm. So I, I told you, I told you this off camera. So how some people come up, someone has come up to me and was like, oh, the, the fi that financial industry, blah, 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 is a scam, this, that, and the third. And I, and I was like, bro, I don't need one. I don't even know who this person is. And then I did my research and it wasn't a scam at all. Yeah. Um, for those people that say that type of stuff when it comes to the financial industry, what do you have to say? I mean, we live in a time where everything is so accessible. People are so accessible. Opportunities are truly very accessible. And so for a lot of people, there's a lot of skepticism, I think, behind everything because you just want to make sure if something is real or not. And, you know, of course, with anything that you do, you're going to have people out there that aren't in things for the right reasons. That's called life. Yeah, yeah facts. <laughs> Wake up. Yeah, facts. <laughs> you know, you can't blame life for being life. Blame you for being stupid. Yeah. Like, you know. Facts. Um, so I, I think when it comes to scams or whatever it may be, like you're going to find that anywhere at the end of the day. Um, but what I always seek to understand is why somebody would think because this is finance, it's a scam. If anything, wouldn't you think that's legit? Yeah. And that's what you want. Right. Interesting. I never right. really thought about that. Okay. So for, cause I know you're team building right now. Can you break down like the structures of your business right now? So if someone, if, if you were to build another Alexi right now, like how are you doing that by team building right now? Like what's going on there? I don't think I can build another Lexi. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. But if you find another Lexi, yeah. please send them my way. Um, honestly, I think the thing about building a team is that you can't discriminate and you can't judge. That's mm -hmm. what I've learned. When I first started, well, uh, in the beginning, I didn't want to build a team at all. You just wanted to like do your like... Uh, you, I just wanted client. to help people. Okay. I just wanted to help people. And I thought the Within best- Within those four pillars. Exactly. And okay. I thought the best way to help people was, again, helping them with the financial services. And there is so much that can be done because there are so many people out there that don't know what's going on, even people that I thought would. And that's what's so crazy. But I was very, very resistant to the building of a team. Um, I didn't want to have that conversation. I didn't want people to think it was one of those things. Pyramid kind of things. Totally, right? Whatever you want to call it, I've heard everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was my own fear of rejection that held me back. And I remember there hit a point where there was a gentleman that I was working alongside of and I was just watching his growth and I was very inspired and I was trying to figure out like what's the difference between your business and mine. And what I realized it was just cause he had a team mm. and I was looking at the team building he was doing, you know, the events and everything that he was hosting. I was like, I, I kind of want to have something like that. But then, you know, when I made a decision that I wanted to have a team, it didn't come overnight. Um, but there was a couple of things that my mentor told me that it really did change the directory of my career. And he said, you know, 
before you, you know, you jump into these meetings, why don't you just write down three reasons why you're happy you got recruited into this business, write down three reasons how this business has changed your life and write down maybe another three reasons how you think this business could change someone else's. And I remember writing it and how emotional I felt. And at that point, it made me realize that I'd been really selfish, you know, letting my own securities, just letting my own insecurities, my own fear of rejection stand in the way of offering this opportunity to someone who it could change their life, just like it's changed mine. And that's when I woke up and um, I started putting myself out there more, started getting very uncomfortable. And, you know, in the beginning, when you're starting out, it's all about the financials, right? How can I ensure that I'm doing the best for my clients? But then as you start building that team, you start to begin to realize that this is not about you. Like, this isn't about me anymore. This is about my team. This is about all of the lives and that we're changing, the people that we're helping. If I'm being very (laughs) honest, same, because like I said, like, I'm so I was so used to being behind the camera. I'm I'm very comfortable behind the camera. Yeah. I'm very com- comfortable with giving direction and stuff like that. But when it came like my first episodes are shit. Yeah. Like I'm tripping up on my words all the time. Like they're garbage, but um this is probably like episode 66 now. This is a breeze. Congratulations. <laughs> that's <laughs> thank amazing. You. Thank you. Thank you. And that's only like a year, a year and a half I've only been doing this, right? Cool. So imagine 4 years into this kind of thing, right? Hundred percent. No, because I have a lot to say, and I'm, I like the I like asking questions. I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's continue. Um, where did I? Where did you leave off? Oh, you left off at my my team. Oh yeah, your team. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I want to. I just want to. I want to ask questions that so people can, when they see it, they can be very clear on like what you do and what your team does and how to get recruited. It's because I want. I'm, the the point is to, when people watch this is like I want to be a part of her team. Okay. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to team building, how are you building your team? How are you reaching out and what are you looking for? I love a story. <laughs> I love trauma. Uh, <laughs> elaborate, elaborate, elaborate. <laughs> I don't purposely find it, but somehow I find it. Elaborate. Um I love people that have been through shit. I love it. I love being. Is it, is it because you could, you feel that you could relate to it? For sure. But I just feel like there's hope. I feel like there's hope. Um, you know, it's it's kind of the same way that you would look at failure. You know, well, you should look at failure in, 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 in my opinion. When you fail, it gives you the opportunity to pivot. When you feel like you've hit rock bottom, that's why they say rock bottom. You know, you should just let this person hit rock bottom because it gives them the opportunity to reconfigure and reflect and, and, and start to move different, I would hope. So I feel like when you find these individuals who have, who have had these challenges in their life and they've had to build themselves back up again, they build themselves back up stronger, mm-hmm. right? But realistically, I'd like to be there to help build them. Mm-hmm. And I think because I'm someone who has been through Um, you know, the trials and tribulations through life, I understand that that journey and and how challenging it can be. And I think being able to relate to them, they have that trust in me as well, that when I am here here to help, they know it is to help. Mm -hmm. They can kind of drop down that wall. So you play a a therapist role too in your business. Oh yeah, (laughs) for sure. So how's that? In the beginning, it was really hard. I felt like 
my cup was always being drained and mm -hmm. I didn't know how to fill it back up again. And I, that's when I really started to, to take advantage of my mentorship with Nima and to be more coachable and just to reach out to him more and everything because I wanted to ensure that with everything that I was doing, um, you know, he could also pour back into my cup. A hundred percent. So I can only imagine like when you're first recruiting and obviously some people come with heavy stories, can it be triggering because of what you've been through or is it like, okay, this is work? No, I don't ever feel like it's triggering um, because for me, like I just want to understand like what the situation is so that I know where I can push this individual and where I need to take a step back and, True. you know, because it's really about understanding where they're at, but not letting them hang out in victim mode, mm -hmm. you know, giving them that friendly little tap, like, let's, get let's go. We've got shit to do because those are people that can be extremely powerful. I know it. Mm -hmm. It's just, they haven't figured out how to tap into those superpowers. Mm. Yeah. So where you're at now, like I've been watching your stories for like probably about a year now and you've seemed super determined, super driven. Right. And obviously like we talked about earlier, there, there was a time where there's a lot of stuff going on. Did you ever, have you ever been to therapy or have you ever considered therapy? How, how's that? Um, I did do like some form of therapy when I was younger. That was more like in the elementary school, high oh, school phase. Okay. Um, when I was living on the Sunshine Coast, cause like I had a lot of shit going on. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I needed, yeah. I, I yeah. needed, yeah, I needed it. Um, but like for me, it just wasn't my method. I didn't really feel like for me it worked to sit down and like chat Talk with someone. someone. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I didn't ever, I don't know. I just like, I don't have like fucking 50 sessions to sit down with you for you to eventually unpack <laughs> whatever the fuck I have going on yeah. just so you can what? Yeah. Like for me, I think most of my therapy really came from my home. I was really grateful to live on the water um, Ooh, my, big. my Oma's house was on the water. So for me, I did the most just like introspection, just sitting there on the beach and just looking at the water and just, just reflecting. Mm. I've always been very, very self-aware. So I've always had an understanding of like what I needed to do. Mm. Okay. Cause I feel like what you said is important because at the end of the day, there's so many different forms of therapy that can come with just uh, having your bare feet in grass. It can come in the form of working out and mm -hmm. it could come in the form of just going for a walk. And it feels like you chose like just like the natural way of life to have therapy and kind of get over the things that you were doing. Yeah. And piano was a really big thing for me as well. Like just being able to compose music and sing and just to, to let it out. That was a huge thing for me. But, you know, I, looking back now, I, understand the decisions that I made and why I made them when I was growing up I didn't and you know I understand now the reason why I probably was so um reluctant to do these sorts of therapies and and whatever it may be is just because watching my mom's journey you mm -hmm. know my mom suffered from a lot of mental illnesses and and so did her mom and it didn't take long for me to figure out that there was a lot of challenges that I had as well you know, I suffered from a lot of depression. Um, I had a period in my life where I was very, very suicidal. Um, and those were things where I I could either 
acknowledge it and work through it. Or I could go and start popping prescriptions. And don't get me wrong, I do understand for certain circumstances, there are medications that are needed. I totally understand that. But I always understood that where I was today was not who I was. It was just, I was a product of my environment. Exactly. And that I could get out of it. And I think there was just this, there's, there's always been this little angel that's just, I think, been directing me. Wow, that's amazing. So on your tough days now, how are you dealing with tough days? Journaling. How important has that been for you? Life-changing. Elaborate, how so? <laughs> I never understood the importance. Um, you know, I was telling you, I, I would write in my diary a lot when I was younger, um, just as an outlet. And, you know, it was more like just silly things. Like, I can't wait for like science class because so-and-so is going to be there. And like, I'm going to wear this outfit. <laughs> little crush. Just stupid stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, just like... Um, but I would journal a lot just in terms of things too, like, or, you know, my diary back then, like saying things like, I wish I was never born and like, why mm. me? And like, why this? And why that? And why this? Why that? Like, I would just ask God sometimes, like I would just sit there and I would just be like, why is this happening to me? Why is my life unfolded like this? Like, I just couldn't understand. Um, but I just, I don't know, somewhere along the way, like I just didn't have the routines and the habits or anything ever and it wasn't really until the business that I started to develop the the power of, of journaling. And I think it really was something that came more from goal setting. You know, um, well, you know, anybody who's read Think and Go Rich by Napoleon Hill knows the importance of writing down those goals. And something that, you know, my mentor instilled in me was just write down those goals twice a day, read them out loud with emotion. And I remember when he would say this for the first year, I was like, this guy's like fucking weird. Like, <laughs> not writing down shit. <laughs> wow. Like, how is this going to do anything? Right. And, and, you know, eventually you just, you wake up and you're like, okay, maybe I need to be coachable. And then you start doing it. And what I found was I would just start writing down my day and, and, and just kind of moving from there. But it's just become such a powerful tool. Like when I'm feeling upset, which I've had, you know, I, I'm human. I've had lots of lows and challenges and everything. But once I start writing things down, I start to see the magic happen because with all of the personal development, with all of the work on the self-talk, um, the moment I see myself writing something negative, I find a way to reframe it into positive oh, and I just amazing. continue positivity and, and those affirmations and writing down those goals and, you know, my vision and everything as well. And it's not like all of a sudden I wrote some words on a page and yeah, I'm better, <laughs> but like, it's, it's one of those things where it just, where your energy goes and your attention goes is the most important thing. So, um, yeah, the more I write those things down and again, like even meditation was a thing that I was struggling with and I found a good six minute meditation now. And so it's perfect. Six minutes is mm -hmm. it. That was even hard in the beginning, but between those two tools right now, um, it's helping tremendously. Uh, cause I can relate to the meditation thing. Cause I, I still meditate to this day and I feel like if I don't do it, cause I, my brain works at like a hundred miles per yeah. second and I needed to every morning I have to just calm everything down and then think about my day and think about what I got to do because if I don't do that it's, it could be a it could be a rough one so meditation has definitely helped me a lot too yeah <laughs> just finding the, I, I think for me the hardest thing that I had with meditation was just like staying still 
just staying still and just shutting it off. And you're just sitting there and you're like, can I go yet? <laughs> like, like what's- Cause you're antsy. I'm waiting for some like spiritual awakening after this six <laughs> minutes and like nothing happens. And I'm like, okay, like I think my heart rate slowed down. Like I look at my Fitbit, I'm like, okay. So like, I think there was some positive that came from here, but it's hard to find that discipline because there's no immediate result. And I think the reason why meditation is so important to me in the beginning is because of, you know, this idea that we're surrounded in a world today where things can come to you like this. Mm -hmm. And it's just this immediate, um, this constant, yeah, immediate fix and just constant dopamine. And the majority of the dopamine that we are taking in on a regular basis is just cheap. And I'm a victim to it as well. Well, I'm not a victim, but like, you know, (laughs) I, I, you know, I bring it on myself, but just with tech and everything around us today. So I'm understanding how important it is going to be more than ever for me to take a step back, slow down, know in six minutes, the world is still going to be okay. Like your team's going to be okay. Your family's going to be okay. Like you can take that six minutes for you, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a work in progress. Wow. Jeez. So I want to talk about, actually, before I get into leadership, I want to talk about what it's like working for you. So let's say I'm like, Lexi, you know what? I want to I want to be on your team. What can I expect or what do I or what do I have to work towards? What is it like working on your team? Yeah, and I mean, when someone comes in and joins me, they're not working for me. They're working with me. You know, it's it's definitely it's a partnership, uh, you know, but we do take that dynamic of that mentor-mentee relationship. And I think that's probably the hardest part in the beginning um, is really understanding what it is to be a good mentor and what it is to be a good mentee. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, with mentoring, we're not barking orders at anyone. You know, we're not here to chase people We're here to help people that want to help themselves. And I think that's the hardest part sometimes with building a team is, you know, sometimes you feel like you want it more than they want it. I can talk about that. (laughs) That, that, That's actually, to be honest, that's something um, I wouldn't say I'm struggling with. I'm learning because I'm a very intense person. I see. So if I have people that are working by my side and I get it. Not everyone's like me. Like me. Even my mom tells me, Corey, you got to chill out sometimes. You just got to chill. Their, their, their drive is just not your drive. That's your purpose. That's your dreams. Right. right. So I'm learning now how to find the balance in how to be a leader and talk in their language. Mm. You know, but sometimes, like you just said, I feel that I want it more than them. Like I can hear your goals. I could hear what you want to do. But then I see something that doesn't necessarily align with that. And then that'll just get me pissed off. Yeah, you know, leadership is definitely still something that I'm figuring out. Like I was saying in the beginning, you're just so obsessed with like the financials and being there so much for your clients. And then the team starts growing. And then, you know, you have to lead yourself and learn how to lead yourself before you can even lead a team. Um, And you learn so much. Like I honestly feel like having a team is it feels like in a sense, like having a child, you know, like I care about these people as if they were my own. And I really want each and every single, single one of them to succeed because I have such a great team, (laughs) like just amazing human beings, you know, just so genuine, loyal, passionate, intelligent. Um, But you see one thing that you can't really teach is drive. And I think that's, what's really challenging because some people have a fire that's burning, you know, it's like almost like a little, 
it's like a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a little spark, mm -hmm. you know, that once it catches, it has the opportunity to really go somewhere. And I feel like I was always that spark that was just waiting for something. And so for some people that don't necessarily possess that drive in the beginning, it's definitely working together to figure out how to create it. And, you know, the best way is really through a why. But for some people, they've never really ever been asked, like, why? what are your goals and what are your whys? You know, so it's all very, very new when they are starting out. And we're really looking to help them switch from this employee mindset over into an entrepreneurial mindset. And, and that's challenging in itself because the key word there is mindset. And mm -hmm. it's something that nobody teaches you. Yeah. No. You know, you just go live your life. Just this is me. Yeah. 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 Here's the thing. Like one thing my one of my best friends told me about uh, leadership and it's something that stuck with me today. It's it's called the push and pull system. Yeah. And he told me, look, Corey, there's going to be people in your life that just need a little push and that's fine. You give them a little push and they're off on their way. The minute you feel like you have to pull them, that's when they're pulling you down as well. And you got to create some distance there. What do you think about that? Yeah, I've, I've been learning a lot over, <laughs> over the bit. And um, I think the most important thing that I learned was, you know, uh, the 80-20 rule, you know. Elaborate. Uh, the Pareto principle. And it's, it's just this idea that, you know, you, your top 20% are probably going to produce you 80% of the results. Well, I've heard of that, yeah. yeah. And, and vice versa. So... I'm learning now to spend my time on that top 20% and chances are that 20% is not pulling me down. That 20% is, is they're, they're actually looking for my mentorship. They're reaching out to me. They're the ones active. They're being accountable. They're putting in the work. With that 80, 20 rule, would you, are you going to cap how many members you have on your team? Never. Interesting. Never. Do you, okay, so like this is, I'm playing a little God's advocate here. Love it. <laughs> do you think, okay, if you never, how many people do you have on your team right now? Um, Roughly? Right now I have about, I have about a hundred people on my team. Oh but shit, that's when a I, big team. But you know, but when I look at like who's really active and like showing up consistently, I would say 50. Okay, that's still a good number. So let's say like your team gets to the thousands. How do you, how does Lexi spread her influence to those thousand people i have no idea i think i, <laughs> I, I was just gonna figure it out as i go yeah yeah fair 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 <laughs> like fair. i've been doing this whole time fair fair because there's a there's yeah. at least there's one point where you had zero team oh, members yeah. and it you, was like yesterday yeah and then you got a hundred so fair yeah makes sense yeah i i think one of the most beautiful things that someone shared with me once was just you grow into leadership because for me I've always been a follower. Just tell me where to go. Like I've always just like, I've just always needed that direction. I've needed someone to tell me what to do and I'm happy to do it. Like I've always been a hard worker. And I think it was just because that was the environment that my Oma set up for me. Do what I say, do as I say. Yes, ma'am. Mm. Right. There was really no opportunity for me to like go and float my wings and, and have that freedom, if you will, because mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a very, very strict household. So I think that kind of translated to the rest of my life growing up. And, you know, I was just always the person to hide behind the scenes, never the star of the show, didn't need to be the center of attention. And that's why too, you know, if you look at my social media, 
I'm not doing a whole lot on there. And I never really have, you know, before the business, my profile, I had no profile picture, a private page and my name wasn't even my name. (laughs) And it wasn't until my mentor eventually was like, listen, like you need to start working on your social media. I was very resistant in the beginning and I just slowly started to at least maximize my stories and put a, you know, display pick and stuff. I'm still a work in progress, but we're at least utilizing it somewhat. But so off camera, we talked about one of a successful mentee. Can you tell me her story and what happened? How she became successful in your business? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, it's really cool because she's just getting started. Um, but I'm really, really excited. And, you know, it's a big reason why I'm here in Ontario as well, but, uh, it's just the power of social media. You know, um, I was in a point where I was really just needing to get out of my comfort zone and I wanted to connect with, with more women, especially in surrounding industries, whether it was real estate, mortgages, you name it. And, um, I was really, really looking for women and other women of color and, you know, nothing really came from any of the, you know, the interactions that I was making. And then all of a sudden this one woman found me and we started chatting a little bit and we ended up connecting um, over Zoom. And it was just like an instant connection. Um, it was just very, very genuine energy. And she was just no bullshit, which I loved. Yeah, like I she's love like, that. I like this. How can I do it? Let's go. And I said, OK, let's run it. And she was just very coachable from the beginning. Um, she had very big goals, very big wise, which I love. She had that drive. She'd always been an entrepreneur. And I think she was just waiting for the right vehicle. And so I said, listen, I can't promise you anything, but this is where I'm going. And I think you might like it. So if you want to come too, and yeah, she completely sliced my numbers in half. She's got a killer team that's growing for her. Um, and yeah, I'm really, really fired up for her and her future. Wow. That's amazing. So Help me understand. So let's say like I'm on your team. I can then build my own team as well. Absolutely. And then you'll get somewhat of a percentage for that too. Is that how it works? Kind of, sort of, for lack of better understanding? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) absolutely. And um, I think that's something that I love the most. It's just this idea. It's like, think about it. What, what's stopping someone from going and taking all of this information, all of these tools and skill sets, mindset, you name it, and leaving, right? Because a huge reason why a lot of people leave their jobs or businesses because because they feel like there's a cap. There's a cap, exactly. They feel like there's nowhere else for them to grow. And not only that, sometimes they have someone that's just pushing them down, doesn't want them to take their role. So maybe they're not sharing as much as they could be, right? To help that person in their career. So because we, with our model, you get compensated for helping people you want to keep helping people. So there's no like competition. She can never, or I can never look at you and be like, hmm, you know what? I want to overtake Lexi's spot. No, it really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. And like, if anything, like we're excited because like we get compensated for building people and helping people make money. Like, why wouldn't you? It only makes sense. But like, you know, if someone comes onto my team, I don't make money until they start making money. Uh, that's important. You know, like un- until they're licensed and, and they're actually generating an income, that's where now I would actually start generating income passively through the company. Right. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. Okay. Dope, dope, dope. So these next two questions I ask everybody on the show. Ooh. And the first one, 
You don't have to say any names, uh, obviously. I want to know what is the best advice you received and what is the worst advice you received? <laughs> the best advice that I had ever received could be from your mentor, Oma, Napoleon. I know. <laughs> I love Napoleon. He's so great. Could be a quote. Just, I think I honestly love things happen for you, not to you. Mm, elaborate. I think it's because you have to believe in it so much, even if you don't understand what this means um, and be on the other side of it to actually understand that it's it's real. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would be where I am today. I know I would not be where I am today and doing what I'm doing and looking to achieve what I want to achieve if I hadn't gone through everything that I had gone through. Um, Ed Milet, um, something that he said that really has always stood out with uh, to me is that the very things that you feel like disqualify you are the very things that actually qualify you to win. That's why you have to keep growing, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you keep growing, you keep leaving a, a, a you keep leaving an old version of you behind. But that old version of you, there's still a lot of people that are just like that old version, and you're gonna help all of those people as you continue to grow and win. Oh, I like that. I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm taking that. I think <laughs> also it's important too is um like obviously. We're human, so sometimes we get caught up in a victim mindset or have a moment of it. Yeah. I think it's important to catch that and throw that out because it uh, honestly it does nothing for you. What do you think? Having a victim mindset, yeah, yeah throw that shit out the yeah. window. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, like I just personally, me, I'm like, like I said, I'm an intense person, and I'm kind of black and white. Could, I, I, I could see the pros and cons to that because when there's problems in my life, it's like, okay, what, like how are we going to get through this? Let's get it. Yeah. But you know what? Like it's a disease. The victim mindset. Yeah. 100%. Like it, it's a disease. And I think for people, they think they can't control it. They think they can't change. I think that's what I've learned. Like I, listen, I understand. I understand because I was on that other side. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, why? Like, you know, like I, I felt it. I understand what mm. it feels like to be on the other side. But again, I think what blows my mind every single day, and I was, I was telling my team this, I said, you know, there was a period in my life where I was dating this guy and I actually broke up with him because I thought he was weird because he would listen to audiobooks while he was driving. No. Imagine. Oh, no. That was old Lexi. No, way. new Lexi today. Like I know, that's like, attractive. I see that now. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that before. But again, that was who I was before. Like I didn't have those types of associations, so that was just like really weird and uncomfortable. Like for me, I want to listen to music. I mean, now me today, I listen to music here and there, but for the most part, what I'm listening to always is like YouTube's right, like different types of podcasts, um, training videos Same. or audiobooks, whatever Same. it may be. Wow. Right. But, but, but again, because of all of the personal development, that's now why I can look at life from an abundance mindset instead of a victim mindset. Because once you understand that this whole world thing that we're doing here, this whole game that we're playing here, it's been played before for like generations and generations, decades, decades, decades. 
nothing here is new. And I think that was one of the most powerful things that I took away from listening to Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill was just like, he's like, listen, like I wrote this shit in the 1920s. Like I'm publishing this in what, 2011. If this is still, if this stuff is still going on, like I've got it mastered, like pay attention. Wow. And I found that so powerful. And for me, like even just going and listening to that, I like to listen to audiobooks. It was just an awakening in itself. And I just realized like, yeah, he talks about the drifters and the non-drifters and think of those drifters as the people who what are- What is that, sorry? The drifters? The drifters are just gonna be those individuals, let's say in this example, the victim mentality, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Holy, because yeah, like I said, I'm a super intense person. I'm black or white. Yeah. When people tell me that they live in the gray area, a little bit kind of <laughs> makes, makes me a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes me a little yeah. bit uncomfortable because I'm like, the gray area for me is like, what's going on? There's That just seems like a bunch of uncertainty to me mm -hmm. personally. You know, so like I said, I see life in black and white. What well, about the worst? Oh, yeah. Sorry. You to well, I mean, it makes sense. I, like uncertainty, like, of course, like if you're just going to play on the fence, like, yeah, I don't like that. You know, if you're going to go through life passively, expect, you know, to have passive, passive results. results. Exactly. And yeah. to be honest, I'm a person that if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to own up being wrong. I rather be wrong on my terms than be wrong on some outer force or worldly, worldly thing, to be yeah. honest, you know, worst advice. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Or you That's hard because you, you know what? I feel like I don't really take advice from anyone. So like the moment I hear something, it just goes through one ear and out one advice. other. I just have a problem with authority. So like, <laughs> okay. Okay. So like, I'm like, if I didn't ask for this, like I'm just, I what don't even, the memory card just doesn't even have space <laughs> for it. Well, what is bad advice? You know what I mean? Like what is bad advice at the end of the day? Well, okay. So bad, so <laughs> One of, uh, I had another guest on the show and he said w one of his uh, worst advice when he was growing up, it'd be like, you know, go through women like crazy, just women, 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 women. And he later understood as he matured, like that's terrible advice. Mm. Like you're just out here doing your thing and there's no, like, there's no structure to that. And it's, you're leading, I don't know, soul tying and all that stuff or whatever. Yeah. So for him, that was bad advice that, but he ended up taking, but he realized later that it was bad advice. Yeah. You know, when you said that, like I, what immediately jumped into my head was like, you know, obviously if that was coming from his father, like what kind of life did his father live in? And, and it was a friend. Hmm? It was a friend, but yeah, yeah. I a, fr oh, a friend gave him that advice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, <laughs> so it's like, you know, if that was the case, you know, this was some sort of programming, some sort of generational yes. thing at the end of the day. And it, what it made me think about was just kind of like, again, I don't really ever feel like many people gave me advice growing up. True. I think that's why I really respect mentorship so much. Mm -hmm. I just, again, I think maybe it was because I always kind of hid in the shadows that like nobody really knew what I was doing or like what I was all about or anything. So I just didn't really have that door open for them to mm -hmm. uh, give me any sort of advice. But I think it was for me as I was in high school and, you know, putting in the work with my academics and stuff, I think the whole idea of like going to university, um, I think that was something that I just heard all around me, just like, where are you going to school? What are you taking this and that, this and that? Are you gonna get a degree? What do you wanna do, blah, blah, blah. And for me, like, I, when, since I was young, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. 
Um, I thought that was going to be the best way for me to help people. And I wanted to make a lot of money doing it. I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I could have this set. And I wanted to make a lot of money because I understood the importance of money. I always understood it. Like, mm-hmm. let's not be silly here. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's up there with oxygen. You yeah, need it yeah, to survive. hundred percent. Right. But I did really want to make a huge difference in the world. I just didn't necessarily know how I was going to do it. But I thought, you know, if I'm a lawyer, this could be a great opportunity. But, you know, as you know, I did a whole 180 and decided not to do that. But um, where was I going with yeah, this again? The worst now? advice. The worst advice, right. And so, you know, I think I went into school with this idea that like, I need to go and get my undergraduate's degree, whatever it is, so that I can get into law school, become a lawyer, take over the world. (laughs) And then you begin to learn more about life and the world. And you realize like the differences that I'm looking to make, I can't do this, Mm -hmm. you know, especially from a system that is not necessarily sound. Mm. So I realized that I needed to pivot there was no way in hell that I was going to go waste another three years in school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after getting my undergraduate's degree, I realized I wasn't retaining any of it. I didn't care about any of the information that I was learning because it actually wasn't in alignment with what I wanted to learn, what I needed to learn for the end goal. And so I noticed I just got really disconnected and I didn't have the luxury of having my schooling paid for. I had to pay for everything. I had to work multiple jobs, while I was in school, I skipped a lot of class. And so I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. <laughs> By the time I was done, I was just like, make it stop. <laughs> I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even finish college. It, yeah. was, it was almost a waste of my time when, uh, when it came to cl- close to the end, I was like, you know what? I need to get money. So for sure. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, I do, I do believe like, depending on what it is that you're looking to achieve and what you want to do, like, yeah, you, you probably should go to school. Um, but if I knew what I knew now, I, I would have skipped that whole part and not because I don't want to learn again. I love to learn, but I just think the way that the system has been created, I think the pressure to go to school, I think the fact that we have so many people going and racking up tens of thousands of dollars to get a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. to get a piece of paper that doesn't even guarantee them a job anymore. Mm -hmm. And when they do get that job, they're not even making enough to survive or they are just surviving and they can't even pay off those student loans. I agree. I and agree. I'm, I see this over and over and over again. So it's like someone said it best. My mentor said it best. He goes, instead of asking people what they want to be when they grow up, ask them what kind of life they want to live. Mm, that's a big one. I feel like I would have taken a lot of different directions, even just with like my schooling and stuff, if I had thought about it that way. So I think the worst piece of advice that I had was just, that push to, to go and get a degree. Mm-hmm. Don't now that I have it, it's fine. I'm grateful. But like very, I've never had someone ask me, can I see your degree? Yeah, I <laughs> like, know. You know what? It, 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 it's a, it's a big thing because my brother, he just finished university last year and now he's, he's, um, he's on his path to figuring out what he wants to do. And I could tell like he, he's frustrated right now because he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. Doesn't know what his degree can do for him like he's great with his hands and now he's just kind of in that tough gray area that we're talking about so because I was a I'm not a big (laughs) advocate of school at all unless it's for like something like a doctor nursing something like those type of jobs um I never mess with school at all (laughs) if you if you were to judge me on my grades you think I'm stupid yeah (laughs) right I just school was very boring to me and I had ADHD so that didn't help as well 
Um, yeah, and I think school does a lot of detriment to someone's life, to be honest with you. And, like, I know later on if I have kids or what have you, like, I promise you I'm not going to care about their grades. Just get it done, and then we'll learn what we need to learn. Yeah. Personally. My family was never, like, checking in on my grades. Like, I think they were never worried about me. Like, even to, like, I had periods with some courses and whatever where like I was getting like a C minus or a Mm -hmm. C and whatever and like they never were like hard on me or even really like blinked twice and I think it was because they knew the moment I saw that mark that I was already like I was already working towards how I could do better true and again I I I think what I liked about school is I think it gave me a little bit more discipline gave me a little bit more like structure to my days Maybe Fair. some little things like the that. Like I'm not, things. I can't sit here and shit on all of school. Like I, <laughs> you know, I, I got something out of it for sure. Fair. But I just realized for me, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the best method. And similar to you, like I've struggled with ADHD. Like I really have. And I just, I didn't understand really what it was or that I had it until I would start telling people about like my struggles in some of these areas and things that I would do with my day to day. And they're like, yeah, your textbook. <laughs> oh. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Um, next question. We're doing something a little bit new on the show. Oh, and <laughs> starting today? No, 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 no. We've done this for two episodes. Oh, great. I'm like, oh, lucky me. <laughs> so the last guest, I asked him to ask a question for the next guest and he has no clue who it was. Ah! So here's this question. I actually got it this morning because I almost forgot. Oh my. It's, he says, hold on. Hmm. Interesting. Oh God. If money were no object, how would you spend your time? Oh. <laughs> I just thought of a beach. <laughs> a beach? How would I spend my time? No, that's a hard question because like obviously to have unlimited time, well, not unlimited time, but to just be able to have that time. There's so much that I want to be able to do. Um, And I think a lot of it is really just around helping people, helping people around me. Like I want to use the money that I'm making to help people in every capacity. You know, I want to help my family, you know, rebuild and get their life back and have the opportunity to also live their life as if money wasn't an issue and Mm -hmm. just like go be a kid you know my my parents have been through so much and they've sacrificed so much and I understand that for them they've also been in survival mode they don't really know how to get out of it and so you know I'm using this platform and everything that I'm doing today to really be able to let them go be kids I want them to just no worries in the world and I want them to have that yeah um, from the perspective of just like people around me, you know, I'll be honest, I haven't quite figured out what my end purpose is. I know it's to help people. I think that forever changes in my, in my opinion. I think so too. And I've just, I've never been someone that has been, um, super like it has to be this and it has to be this. And I understand clarity. I understand goal setting. Like I understand how important these things are, but I'm someone that is so open to opportunity and I go where I feel pulled. Mm -hmm. So I just trust that God is giving me everything that I need in every moment and I just follow the lead. And so I know that there are going to be big projects. 
you know, globally that I take on. And I do believe a lot of it is going to stay in the world of finance. Mm. I really do. I, I'm not done yet. I do have a mission to ensure that people understand what the heck is going on so that they can live their life. Fair. Right. Yeah. And I also just want to help all of my friends. Fair, fair. I like just going back to what you said about purpose. Um, I do think that in each phase of our life, we may have different purposes at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, even with me, like, I feel like I've done so many different things. You'd be like, what the hell? You used to hoop, you used to be a nude photographer. Then you came to be a community person. Like, so I'm all over the place. And I feel like for that time, it served different a different purpose in what I had to do for myself and other people. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. I want to, one, I want to thank you for coming on. Because you're all the way, you came from all the way from Vancouver for your business. When we finally got this conversation done and we've been talking about it for about a, about a year now. Um, so I thank you because I know you're a super busy person. <laughs> so thank you for your time. But before you go, can you let people know where they can find you? <laughs> I know we talk about social media and how you don't really like it, but you're gonna you're gonna get some following after this. Yeah, I mean you can find me. I'm gonna I'm 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 in the works. I'm I'm, I'm very much in the works of getting out of my comfort zone and stepping up the social media game. Yeah, yeah. But what's, what's your social media? What's your at? Alexis underscore Tiap. Okay, so that's where to find you yeah. and. Um, I just want to let you know that you're welcome back anytime, anytime you want to have a conversation. Anytime. Are you just saying this because you have to? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being, I'm being dead serious. No, there's a, you know, what's crazy because even within this conversation, cause I know it's a little bit over an hour now, like there's, uh, there's a lot more I can unpack with some of the stuff that you said, but I'll leave it there because I, this could be a three hour conversation and Fair. I, and I could talk a lot. Fair. Right. So we'll leave it at that. And also like, I do want, I do want you back because your journey right now is is like I feel like in I don't know you that well but it's just beginning something huge mm -hmm. and I can already see it mm -hmm. so the next time you come you're gonna be like oh what I did when the last time I was here that was nothing now I'm doing this so I want to hear know. I want to hear what took you uh what it took to get to the next level when the next time you come actually yeah. I do have one more question before you leave because I just remind I just remembered why you're saying it I just want to finish uh, mm -hmm. letting you speak what do you think is the first step for someone to get out of survival mode? Awareness, mm. admitting that they're acting in survival mode. I think the biggest challenge that people have is that maybe even if they did know, they don't really want to admit it or say it too much out loud because everyone around them are people pleasers. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest challenge that we have with society today is that everyone is so afraid to walk on people's toes. And the moment that you do call someone out for something, it's like all of a sudden you're the bad guy. I think as I started to transition into Vancouver, one thing that I noticed was my transparency was not appreciated. The fact that I've always been a straight shooter was not really like people want you to kiss their asses, you know? And I think if you surround yourself with those sorts of associations, you're gonna continue staying in survival mode and chances are those people around you are probably in survival mode as well because you are who you associate yourself with. And I know that for a fact now because of the associations that I have today are very different than the associations I had before. And that's why my life is significantly transformed, mm. right? So I think the first step is actually understanding where you're at and putting in the fucking work. I think that's the biggest thing. 
You can't just sit there and like hope and dream and just journal or whatever it is. Like you actually have to take action and it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but that's where the growth happens. And that's where you find yourself. I love that. And we're going to end off on that. On that <laughs> note, that was amazing. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lexi. I appreciate it. Honestly, yeah. thank you. That was a great podcast. Thank you. Pat for a